They did not seize Him. They did not take hold of Him. They did not comprehend Him. The light of the world shone into the darkness and the darkness could not overcome it. And I want to ask you this morning, what do you do with the light that's shining into your life from the Father who has sent the Son that you may have Zoe, that you may have life and life abundantly? We would like to welcome you to Getting in the Word with Pastor Stuart Guthrie. Pastor Stewart is the teaching pastor of Family Bible Fellowship in Early Branch, South Carolina, and he has been teaching through a series on the book of John. We hope that you will join us as we begin Getting in the Word. Here is Pastor Stewart. The explanation of the Word. When we try to get an overall perspective, you know, um, on a book in which we are about to study, the Gospel of John is one that's divided simply into uh, what some theologians say a different few uh, layouts. The most common way that we find the book divided is primarily down the center of the book. The first half of the Gospel of John carries us from chapter 1 to chapter 12 and really is focused on presenting Christ before the world. Um... Some scholars call this the book of signs. And because we'll see here seven signs, uh, miracles with a message in which John will tell us about the life of Jesus. This is his public ministry. The second half is divided into chapters 13 to 20 and 21 being the conclusion of the book. This is more of his private ministry. The first half of the book took place in about three years, where the second half of the book takes place in about three weeks. And so the second half is what we would consider his private ministry. It's where we find in chapter 14 of John the upper room discourse, where Christ begins to speak to the disciples and prepare for them the departure of him leaving earth to heaven. This book could be considered the book of glory. The book of signs and the book of glory. The book of John is really a masterpiece. It's intimidating because, well, it's a masterpiece in which is written. It can be read by a child with understanding. Or the book of John can be studied by the most well-known theologians with the greatest amounts of theological depth that one could understand. Someone once made a statement, as many says, Augustine coined the phrase, it says this, John, the the gospel of John is deep enough for an elephant to swim in, but not deep enough for a child to drown in. If I could take by liberty to sum up the book of John by one word, it would be believe. Just like every good research paper, so I'm told, and say ever wrote a really great research paper, but a term paper, one must have a powerful thesis statement if it's going to be a strong and effective work. It's important because this thesis statement announces what the writer says the purpose is for which they are writing their paper on. And we should not even accept less for the book of John as he also has a thesis statement for the book 
of John as we find it wrapped up in chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, when he says, Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. John was written for the purpose of bringing life to a dead soul. We all had dead souls at once, didn't we? People living in the flesh, separated from God. That's where we all begin. I I preached a sermon series called From the Casket to the Kitchen, and we all begin in the casket, dead in our trespasses and sin. There's none righteous, no, not one. But he writes that believing in Christ, you may believe the Son of God and that you may have life in his name. So without delay, let's jump into our study on the book of John today. Today we'll be looking at the first five verses, the introduction, the prologue. Um, And let's begin by reading our text. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. I sure hope I can preach the power in this message. Because when I read those words, and now that I've studied the text in depth, I want you to know this is a powerful, powerful introduction to the book of John. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. As we look at the text, I believe that John is defining persons right off the bat. He's trying to create the reality of what he is saying in the thesis statement. But these things I have written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that believing you may have life in His name. I want you to know that as I preach through the book of John, my hope and my desire should reflect John's desire, and that is that you might have life in his name. I don't know how you come in the doors this morning, if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, whether you believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, but regardless of where your soul is this morning, my prayer is that believing you may have life in his name. And so the first... Five verses bring about what I believe we find within the text as it points us to the explanation of the word. And so let's begin by looking at the first five points this morning. Number one, we see the word as he relates to eternity. Secondly, we see the word as he relates to relationship. Thirdly, we see the word as he relates to deity. Fourthly, we see the word as he relates to creation. And lastly, fifth, we see the word as he relates to life. Let's begin by looking at point number one, the word as he relates to eternity. John's very first words creates a dimension of time in which we find within the text. He says, in the beginning was the word. 
the explanation of John feels it necessary to give us a time frame uh, for when the word existed. The Greek word there is arche. It can have a few different meanings, but the context will always define this word. And while it's it's true that R.K., yes, can mean ruler, it means source, it means authority, as in other passages of Scripture define. And while those are true about Christ and His authority and as a ruler of the nation, as His source of life, as He will state in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. What John is trying to communicate to us using the Greek word arche is referring to the beginning of the universe. The same idea as what we find in Genesis chapter 1 when it says in the beginning God created. Whatever the word is at this point because we don't know. It says in the beginning was the word. We don't know what that word is. Now we have all of the scriptures, so we kind of know what the word is. But if you're reading this as a non-Christian for the first time, and this book was written so that you might believe and have life in his name. So John wrote it so that unbelievers, at this point, we don't know what the word is. We just know when it existed. And if the word was there in the beginning of time, we can consider that eternal. You may say, well, how... Can you be so sure that this word was eternally pre-existing? Well, when you and I read the text in English, in the beginning was the word, it's easy to miss the original structure of the Greek language. When it says in the beginning was the word, we simply see that it existed at some point in time. It doesn't guarantee us that this was eternally existing. But when we read the word in English, was, we miss it. But in the Hebrew, or the Greek, is ain ha lagos. The imperfect tense of the verb was describes a continual action in the past. That means there was no beginning and there was no end. It was a continuation in the beginning was in the beginning before and in the beginning after. There was no defined time. Greek defines very clearly what is mean here by eternal existence of the word. This confirms our idea that the word was eternal. John MacArthur says that uh, he continuously in the existence before the beginning. Notice that John here didn't say that he became the Word in the beginning, that he was created, that he was fashioned, but no, rather it says he was in the beginning. The Word already existed. I love the fact that Jesus, whom I believe was the Word, and we'll see that as we work through this book, makes this known fact in chapter 17 when he says in John 17, 5, and now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory, listen, that, that I had with you before the world existed. There we see the eternal existing word that was there before time ever began. This word existed eternally with God. 
John is pointing surely to the same idea again that we find in Genesis 1-1 in the beginning. God created. The word is eternal. Had no beginning and will have no end. In the beginning was the word. So who is this word that we find here to be eternal? While we don't find that answer right this second, we find ourselves in the text or the context, this pericope of scripture points us to that information. The Greek word logos that is used here by John, in the beginning was the word, the logos, ain arche, ha logos, the Greek word describes the eternal being had been profoundly significant in this culture. The Greek word that's used by John to describe the eternal being was a, was a popular concept among philosophers for at least three centuries before Christ. It referred to an uncreated divine mind that gives meaning and order to the universe. I had one professor in seminary give me this illustration, and I wish I'd have thought about it. If I'd have had two plastic cups, you know those red plastic cups that we use at family get-togethers? Well, take one of those plastic cups and set it up there. That's mankind. Take a softball, set it on top of that cup. That's the logos. That's the word. In the beginning was the word. And then on top of that, flip the cup upside down. Now you got a snow cone with a top on it. That's God. In that culture, they believed that the closest that you and I could reach God would be just below the word Logos. And that God could not penetrate the earth or mankind, but that it would come no closer than the word. And so the word was there. Now what God did is he flipped it upside down, right? He took the cup, flipped it up, and put it in the other cup. And no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the beginning was the Word. John is showing us that the Word ultimately is Jesus Christ. He he points us to that fact in John chapter 1 verse 14. As he tells us the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. But let us notice, not only do we see the word as it relates to eternity. Listen, only God can be eternal. John is, he's masterfully, bite by bite, pointing us to the deity of Jesus Christ. Secondly, the word, we see the word as he he relates to relationship. Relationship and partnership are close related to where John takes us next. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Just like in the beginning the Word existed, the, again, the imperfect form of Amy is pointed out here. But this time we come to encounter the Greek word prostantheon. When the word pros is used, In this manner, it represents familiarity as one person facing another in relationship. You see, when there was a pre-existing God and a pre-existing Word that existed closely together in relationship with familiarity with one another, they shared a place. 
They shared a purpose and an intimacy. It would picture, again, two persons engaging one another in discourse. Showing there was relationship. And again, pointing to John 17, 5. I love the idea that first, draw, first John drives home the relationship of this topic. He points us to the fact that first, Jesus is the Word, and that He had a fellowship, a partnership, a relationship with the Father in the beginning. You know, it's great. Scripture is all inspired by God and connected and grafted together. And we can really understand the Scriptures when we look at how it's correlated together in perfection. 1 John 1, 1 1-4 says, What was from the beginning... What we've heard, what we've seen with our eyes, what we've looked at, what we touch with our hands concerning the word of life. And life was manifested. And we have seen and testified and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us, became flesh and dwelt among us. What we've seen, what we've heard We proclaim to you also so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son Jesus Christ. These things we write so that our joy might be made complete. The incarnate Word of God, Jesus Christ, we see there was with God. Pros tam theon. The Word was with the Father in relationship from the very beginning. We can even go back again into Genesis. In the beginning was the was in the beginning God created. Now, when you and I read that in English, it's God created, but when we read that in the Hebrew, God is in the plural form. We begin to see the Trinity, the triunity of God from the very first phrase of the Word of God. That there was relationship in the beginning. Genesis 1.26 reminds us, Then God said, Let us, us who? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Plurality, the deity of Christ, the triunity of God. And I believe that this shows us again, the Word was there with God in the beginning before the creation of the world. Why does this matter? Sounds all great. Sounds preaching. Why does it matter? John in this prologue is explaining to us who the Word is. He is explaining the Word was there with God in the beginning before the creation of the world. And he's describing to us piece by piece and bite by bite which he is revealing to us the deity of Christ. Because if this is true, and the Word is truly Christ in the beginning with the Father, then you and I have a responsibility to respond to the incarnate Word, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, when He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father but through Me. He is not simply saying He is a good way, He is a a, a neat way, or an option. He's saying, I'm the only way. And if the Word of God is speaking and telling you and me that He is the only way, then you better bet your britches He is the only way. 
to the Father because he is deity and he obtains all authority and power. Life. Jesus Christ. We see that he is the word as it relates to eternity. We see him as he relates to the Father in relationship. But thirdly, we see the word as he relates to deity. Here we find one of the most revealing truths about the deity of Christ. I mean, I think about here John is about to make a claim. He's drawing his listeners into this culturally crafted masterpiece. We miss it most of the time because we live in 2018. And, you know, um, if I were to say gay uh, 30 years ago, what would you think I was saying? Somebody tell me, what would I say? Happy. Happy. Now, if I said it today, has the culture changed? So words change too. So when we read, a lot of times we miss the cultural context of what's happening. But John has created a, a culturally crafted masterpiece. And he has made some pretty bold statements about the logos, the word. And here comes the final straw. And that is how the word he relates to deity. And we continue the first one. It says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. There goes the Jehovah's Witnesses theology right out the window. There goes the Book of Mormon's theology right out the window. Why? Because most, if not every, cult has this in common. They do not believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. I mean, think about it. Here John is, is, is telling us that this eternally existing word that took place in the beginning that had relationship with the Father is now God Himself. He was there in the beginning. He was with God in a relationship. And now we find that he is the very nature of God himself. And so, of course, you can imagine the fight that this passage is up against by these cults in our culture. And in this day, are you telling me that the the softball on top of the cup is relating to humanity? No, that. That's, that's countercultural. But I think for the sake of argument, we must clarify a few things. Because if you and I are going to stand against the cults in our day, and we're going to understand, then it's important to understand this passage of Scripture. The last part of the verse here in John 1.1, 1, 1, we have claimed that the Word is God. Now, the New World Translation, this would be the Bible that the Jehovah's Witnesses use. They translate this passage differently. And I would submit to you that they they translate this passage differently, not because the Greek allows it, but because they have to, because it doesn't fit in their theology. 
And boy, if Christ is God incarnate, they've got to wash the whole system clean. We can't do that, can we? The JWs would state that since the Greek word theos doesn't have a definite article, if I had a pen or something, I could write up here, I could try to explain it. But there's no article in front of the Greek word theos, God. And so they say, well, we must insert an article to make it definite, but that's not Greek. I mean, I'm not a Greek scholar. You don't have to have but basic Greek to get this. And so they add the word A to put an article which destroys the deity of Christ. But there are several reasons why this isn't the case. But if you want to know all of them, you can take Greek. If you want to know the logistics of all of them. But I'm going to give you the most simple because as I study through the book of John, I'm studying as a child so shallow he can't drown. There's a simple reason why there's no necessary reason to translate a God just because it doesn't have the definite article doesn't make it not definite. Look at verse 12. It says, but as many received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. There's no article in front of Theos. Why aren't we installing an A there? Well, there's no problem there because that doesn't mess with their theology. Verse 13. Now, in in English, you you don't see it, but in Greek, it's clear. There's no article. There's no definite article, but it's still definite. Verse 13. Who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Theos. No article. No question. Look at verse 18. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, He has explained Him. No article, no question. You don't need the article to make it definite. Now, if I told you this morning, those who believe in Jesus Christ, where would they go? Those who believe in Jesus Christ, where do they go when they die? Heaven. Those who don't believe in Jesus Christ, where do they go? Now, I didn't say go to the heaven. (laughs) And I didn't say go to the hell because we don't talk like that. Just because there's not a definite article doesn't make it not definite. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was theos, God. The purest form of deity we find. Flip over to Hebrews, if you will. Here we find some pretty clear evidence again. Outside of this, that the Word was God. Look at verse 8 of Hebrews 1, 8. But of the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever, and the righteous scepter is the scepter of His kingdom. Jesus, here, in the context, God is speaking. God is calling Jesus God. God is calling the Son, God showing complete deity and unity. He calls Christ the Son of God. He calls Him the Son or the Word, the eternal God forever and ever. He says He is righteous. No big deal, right? Calling someone righteous. Well, when I look at Romans 3.10, it makes a big deal because it says that it is written, there is none 
righteous. That means you. That means me. That means all of humanity. None is righteous. No, not one. But Christ, the perfect one, who did not miss the mark. Who did not sin. And so when God calls Jesus God, eternal and righteous, well, that's pretty amazing truth. That here in the text, John meant what he said when he said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And to throw out there just a few more passages, look at the book of Revelation. If you're going to defend your faith, it's good to have some pointers. So I would say write these down. Because they're coming to a door near you soon. You know, in Montana, they used to come to the church door. They did that once. If I see them, I go out there and I meet them at the gas station and I'll talk to them for four hours just so they don't talk to nobody else. And we'll dialogue and I'll walk them right out of the community. Well, I got to go on down the road. We're going down the road, but you ain't going to talk here. You're going to talk to me. Look at, look at, look at Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1, John is, 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 is giving us a revelation here. And, and in verse 8, read, let's read this. It says, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God. Who's speaking? Everybody tell me who's speaking. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God. Who's speaking? God speaking, right? You ask any Jehovah's Witness, they say, yeah, that's God. You can better bet they ain't going to call Jesus God. And Jesus, the Alpha, the Omega, hold on now, you're getting into my theology, messing me up. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. But then let's fast forward a little bit. Look at verse 17. Same context, same chapter. And when I saw him, John says, I fell at his feet like a dead man. And he placed his right hand on me saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. That's a reference to the Alpha and the Omega. The first letter, the alphabet and the last letter. I was the living one and I was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore and I hold the keys to death and of Hades. Are you telling me that God died? That doesn't make any sense. The only way we can interpret that is to understand that there in verse 8, it's Jesus speaking. As a matter of fact, if you look in your Bibles, if you have a red letter Bible, it isn't red. <laughs> Jesus claims the deity. He is the eternal one. What I am telling you is this. That in John 1, when he says, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, that he was God, as John said. Now, you might not understand it. Can you fully grasp it? Of course not. But in the saying of the old theologians, you will lose your mind trying to understand it, but you will lose your soul if you reject it. This is a pillar of the foundation the deity of Christ. No cult, no false teacher can rip it out of context. 
You might not like it. You might not understand it. Or you, you, you might reject it. But the fact is God is Jesus in the flesh. And we will see even into John chapter 5 where Jesus makes himself out to be God. And they try to stone him. He says in John 5, 18, For this reason, therefore, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Why? Well, the answer is in the text, because he not only was breaking the Sabbath, Jesus did that often, but he was calling God his own Father. What does it say? Making himself equal to God. And they tried to stone him. And in John 10, talking about the saved and how one couldn't snatch them out of the hands of God or protected Jesus says in John 10 30 I and the father are one and then in verse 31 to 33 the Jews picked up stones again to stone him and Jesus answered I showed you many good works from the father for which of them are you stoning me and the Jews answered for the good work we don't stone you but for blasphemy And because you, being a man, make yourself out to be God. Jesus Christ claimed to be God in the flesh. He received worship. Listen, if you have any confusion as to what John's claims are about the word and that he was God, Jesus himself thought of him to be the same. I love how the fact that John just leaves room, has leaves room for no error and he continues here. Re- revisiting the same idea from the beginning. John 1, 2, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And there's that uh, form of Amy again. The Word has now been given personality. He was in the beginning. He fully existed eternally because Jesus Christ is deity. And that's why I say the word as he relates to eternity. We see the word as he relates to relationship. We see the word as he relates to deity. And fourthly, we see the word as he relates to creation. If you're not sold that the word is deity, then I believe that you will be after this one. John 1 3 it says all things came into being through him and apart from him nothing came into being that's come into being it's basically saying that the word him created all things Jesus the word as creator verifies his deity not only because God can create but throughout the Bible God is the one that gets all the credit for creation he says in Genesis 1 1, in the beginning, who created? God created. Psalm 102 25, of, of, of old you founded the earth, the heavens are the work of your hands. Speaking of God, even they will perish, but you endure. All of them will wear out like garments, like clothing, you will change them, and they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will not come to an end. You, Creator, are eternal. And in Mark thirteen nineteen, for those days will be a time of tribulation, such has not occurred since the beginning of creation, which God created until now, and will never 
and never will. You got Romans one twenty five, you got Isaiah forty twenty eight, and you got on and on and on and on. Only God has the power to create. And when you look up in the Hebrew and the word create, it means to create something from nothing. You see, you and I can create some good baking cakes and cookies and all of those things, but you ain't creating nothing from nothing. Only God has the power and authority to create. And so we read that Jesus Christ, the the Word, created all things. It should confirm to us, yes, what John says is right. The Word was God. And when you read Colossians 1, 15 to 20, it should put the nail in the coffin on confirming that John was pointing to the fact that yes, Christ is God. The Word was God. Colossians 1, 15 to 20 reads, He is the image of the invisible God. Firstborn of all creation, for by Him all things were created, both in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or millions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things. There is eternity. And in Him all things hold together. There's His sovereignty. These are all attributes of only God. And He is also the head. There's His authority. The church and is in the beginning. And the firstborn from the dead. So that He Himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure. For all the fullness to dwell in Him, Jesus Christ. And through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of the cross. If you had any questions, there it is. Who died on the cross and shed his blood? Jesus Christ. I say whether things on earth or things in heaven. Jesus Christ is deity. Plain and simple. God in flesh. The word. But not only do we see the Word as He relates to eternity, to relationship, to deity, to creation, but finally we see the Word as He relates to life. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not comprehend it. There are a few observations that I think will be helpful for us as we try to understand what John is saying here. And the first word that he uses is life. Greek says zoe. I know this wouldn't mean much, but if the English, if it helps, the English word that we get, or or the Greek word is zoe, is where we get our English word zoology, the study of life. And the greatest note here is to see that when we deal with this word, this Greek word zoe, it's to understand the, the terms of which John is writing. You have the word zoe, which translates into English life, and you have another word called bios in Greek, which translates into English as life. But why does John here prefer zoe rather than bios? Hmm. Because he's preaching. And he's trying to communicate something. And the greatest thing about God's word is when we study it and we grasp it and we feed on it, it's extremely clear. And there's no way around what he's trying to say here. Augustine marked the beginning of life 
bios and living zoe. MacArthur pointed to the fact that zoe refers to spiritual life opposed to bios, which gives us and describes physical life. Let me render this down to reality. Jesus Christ is life. He obtains spiritual life, eternal life. He is with God in fellowship with God, full of deity and full of light. He hasn't yet taken on the form of flesh at this point in our passage. And so he still dwells with the Father in heaven, full of zoe, spiritual life. And here on the earth is mankind, you and me, fallen, stained, separated, an enemy of God. Right? The wages of sin is death. And everybody in this room has sinned. And we come to a stage where we see God created us in unity, in perfection, with no sin. But Isaiah 59 2 says your sin has made a separation between you and your God and now we have a problem. And life here on earth is a problem. We are a people full of sin and separation and an enmity with God. Man is totally depraved. Dead. And I don't know about you, but when I go to funerals, dead people don't talk. There's total darkness in a casket. They don't see light. They don't respond because they don't have one ounce of ability in themselves. And the scripture says, you are dead in your trespasses and sin. This is God. This is Christ. The one full of zoe, spiritual life. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. For the first time we begin to hear the heart of John, and he's screaming, there's hope. There's hope for you. If you're here this morning and you're full of bios, just physical life, and you have no zoe, spiritual life, that we have in Christ alone, there's hope. There's light. And this light only comes from Him, the Word. And if mankind is going to obtain anything but bios, physical life, You all have bios, but not all have zoe, spiritual life. Then there will need to be an intervention. And I believe that we live among people again who obtain a lot of physical life, but not spiritual life. And the Lord understands that unless He makes a way to bring light into a dark world, they will forever be the walking dead. The life of bios. Not obtaining Zoe spiritual life. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. The word here that is amazing to me is katalambano. It's the Greek word katalambano where we get comprehend. 
Now they translate it comprehend here. But listen, Jesus came into the world, but those that are dead, those that have a plain physical bios kind of life, they did not catalambano him. They did not seize him. They did not take hold of him. They did not comprehend him. The light of the world shone into the darkness and the darkness could not overcome it. And I want to ask you this morning, what do you do with the light that's shining into your life from the Father who has sent the Son that you may have zoe, that you may have life and life abundantly? They did not seize it. They did not hold fast to it, to the light that was given. Oh, they tried to put it out, didn't they? By putting them on a cross, but by putting them on the cross, they only made that joker brighten up. Do you have light? Do you have a light that shines among people? Listen, we have a whole picture of Scripture. But just reading through at this point, the Word hasn't even become flesh yet. John knows he has come because he's already wrote the whole book. But what we see here in the first five verses is the explanation of the Word. What are you going to do with Christ? He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. Would you trust in him today? Would you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Stop chasing bios, physical life, and begin to focus on Zoe, spiritual life. Let's pray. We want to thank you for joining us on our program today. We pray that you were challenged, encouraged, and hope that you will stay connected with us for the weeks to come as Pastor Stewart walks us through the book of John. If you don't have a church home, Pastor Stewart would like to personally invite you to join their worship service at Family Bible Fellowship in Early Branch, South Carolina. They meet each week at 11 a.m. For more information about the church, visit them at familybiblefellowship.org. Thanks again for being with us and have a great week.